Good evening, everyone. It's good to be here. It's good to have you here. Uh, as we, in the middle of a, a week, and we come to fellowship and be encouraged with one another and to one another. Um, I've just been thinking this week of this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 13, I have a title in my Bible that says, The Coming of the Lord. We look forward to Christ's coming, and, you know, to be honest, you know, we should be thinking about this all the time, but to be honest, there's, there's certain things that happen in our life that cause us to think about it and cause us to reflect and even to, to desire Christ's coming. Uh, if you think about that, normally what happens is it's, it's the trials and challenges in life that lead us to look forward to that. And it's the joys and comforts in life that sometimes cause us to, to push that back in our mind. Like everything's going great now, so, you know, uh, Lord, if you come, um, you know, that, that, that's okay, but you, you, you can come any time or, or come, come sometime later because we're enjoying things. And then when we suffer and we struggle through things, it's like the um, Revelation passage, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Really, the Christian life has its ups and downs, doesn't it? Um, but the constant is Christ and his promises to us. And this is one of his promises, that he is going to return. Here in the Advent season, we think about Christ coming to earth um, as a human being, as a little baby. Um, but we should also keep in mind that he's going to finish um, and, and take us to the kingdom that, that he's been preparing us for. So in 1 Thessalonians 4, <laughs> verse 13, it says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Reminds us that even in our sorrow and our grieving, there is hope that we rest on. It's not a platitude. It's not an empty phrase. It is the truth, the very truth of what Jesus has promised us is what we hold on to and what we rest on. So he says, those who are asleep, I've mentioned this several times before, but the Bible, um, New Testament, often refers to the believer's death as sleep. And what does it mean by that? Um, Hebrews talks about rest that we look forward to. In other words, when we've gone through this struggle in life, we look forward to that final rest that we have um, in, our, in our relationship, in our connection, in being with God. Um, and so it's, it, it mentions death, in essence, as no more consequence consequential than sleep for the believer it's it's a um a transition time and it's a restful it's it's something to look forward to not something to to always be feared now obviously um we haven't always viewed death that way and often when we think about death we think about suffering and pain think about the death of jesus we think about the blood that was shed the, the, the hurt and, and the pain. Uh, and so it is when we think about our own death, but God wants us to bring it into um, bring it into perspective 
is that whatever the event that causes death, death itself is the transition from this life, this present life, to eternity. And for believers, that is a good and welcome thing. It's something that um, we certainly um, are, 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 should look forward to. So he says, we don't grieve as others who have no hope. Since we believe, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. He's saying there's hope for believers, whether they are living or have passed, that when Jesus returns, um, we can look forward to, to what he's going to do for us. He says, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Jesus has promised to return to earth. If you remember the passage in Acts chapter 1, um, verses 9 through 11, and Jesus had spoken with his apostles, and he said, here's the mission that I have for you. You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and throughout the whole world. And um, uh, uh, then after he had spoken that, it says, while they watched, he was taken up in a cloud. He, was, he, he, he vanished right before them, he ascended up into heaven. And then the, the angels that were present at that time says, look, the same Jesus who ascended is also going to come again. Um, he's just as he ascended, he is coming again to earth. And so uh, the promise was that, that Jesus would return. And so um, he says here, uh, we, 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 we see What's going to happen then? Verse 15. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And so Christ is certain to return. He has promised that. He promised himself. Um, he promised that in his own words. We see the angels have reflected that promise uh, when he went up into heaven reminding us that he is coming again and um, he is going to fulfill his promise. And he's coming. Uh, he's going to receive us with him and take us with him to, to forever be with him from that point on. And the whole point of this is that we ought to be encouraged. Um, we ought not to be ignorant of God's plan. We should know his plan. We should know what he's doing. We ought to be encouraged in it. We ought to find hope um, in God's promise that he's going to fulfill that promise. And we ought to encourage one another with the truth of God's word. Now, I've been mentioning in, in our uh, furnals that we have that we don't need to use platitude. Platitude is an empty saying, a saying that sounds nice but has, has no depth at all. We don't need empty platitudes. We need to encourage one another with the truth that comes from God. 
the promise that comes from God. That's what brings real encouragement. So he says, encourage one another with these words. God has promised what he will do for us. He has, he has set forth that truth simply, um, and he's going to do exactly that, and we can look forward to it. We have our hope rests on God fulfilling his promise. He's told us what he's going to do. He's going to fulfill what he said he would do. And that's, um, that's, that's where our hope is. He gives us some details here, but um, just gives us enough to know that this fits his plan. We've seen it described in other portions of Scripture. Um, and he gives us enough to know that he's going to do what he promised that he would do. Um, it's just like a parent telling their child, look, um, I'm going to run an errand. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to pick you up, and I want you to be ready. The, the, the child can ask all kinds of questions. Well, where are you going, Mommy? Um, exactly when are you going to be back? Um, um, wh wh where are you going to stop at? Are you going to pick this up? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Just say, look, I told you, before the night is over, I'm going, I'm leaving, and I'm coming back. And when I come back, I want you to be ready. You know for sure I will be back, and you ought to be ready. And so God's word is, is clear to us, what, what, he's, what he's promised to do. Um, and um, so our, our simple trust is to believe God. Now, how often do you think about that um, during the day? How often do you actually... Um, pause and reflect and say, God is going to, one day, God is going to fulfill his specific promise to return. So as we look at Jesus and celebrate his, his coming to earth, let's remember his promise to return um, and that he's going he's to complete that promise and fulfill that promise. We ought to be preparing and we ought to be encouraging one another with these words. Notice what he says. That's, it's not a scary thought for believers. It's not something to, um, uh, uh, to uh, scare one another with, but to encourage each other with the promise that Jesus made that he is going to fulfill, he's going to fulfill that promise. Good evening, saints. Going to be continuing <clears throat> our meditation through the book of Revelations. And we're going to be in chapter 15. And just a reminder where we've been in this book. The book of Revelations is a book that points to the future. But it is not a book that is meant just so we can prove our to predict the future. It was written to suffering saints. You gotta understand that they were going through some of the worst kinds of suffering. Some of them were starving. Some of them were being killed. Some of them were under spiritual attack. So Jesus is commanding John to write this book. 
the last living apostle living in exile at the time. So he's seeing the church, and Jesus is writing a letter to encourage the church churches under attack. And so the first part of the book, chapters 2 and 3, well, chapter 1 reminds us who's writing the book, and we see this real image of Jesus that is not like the image of Jesus that we see in most of the Gospels. Probably the closest image we see to Jesus like that would be at the Mount of Transfiguration. He's filled with power. He looks like the Ancient of Days. And in chapters 2 and 3, we realize that this Ancient of Days, this Jesus Christ, he knows everything that's going on in the churches right now, proving that he is Lord of the church. Then in chapter 4, we get invited to the great throne room of God. The throne room where God is sitting down and he never stands up because he's not surprised. And a church that is afraid of the future, he holds all his future promises in his hand. And John cries because nobody is able to reveal the salvation plan of Jesus except for the Lamb. The Lamb comes up to the throne. And the seals get removed. And throughout the revealing of the revelation of God's salvation, because that's what revelations is, a series of revelations, right? We see that God's plan is to save his people, but through his plan of saving, we see a lot of chaos and destruction. And the book of Revelations is ultimately about this, that God will save his people, and they will go through everything that happens is happening according to the plan of God. Nothing surprises him. So we can look to the book of Isaiah that we taught and preached about on Sunday and say it will be foolish of us to try to say conspiracy where men see conspiracy. We would look and see everything that's coming from the hand of God. Why did Brother Dwayne die? Because God wanted him. Why did my grandfather die? Because God said it's time. Ernest Robert Kenner. I didn't even know he was a junior. Ernest Robert Kenner Jr. Come on. It's time. So we're seeing the unfolding of God's plan. And it is a weight to accept God's plan. But now we're in chapter 15. We went through all that just to say, here we are in chapter 15. And we're seeing another episode in this season of Revelation. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing. Seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast in his image and the number of his name standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened. And out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, with golden sashes around their chest. 
And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls, full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with the smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues and the seven angels were finished. This is another sign in heaven. Now if you look at the book of Revelations, if you ever studied the book of Zechariah, you'll notice that it's, these books are similar to Zechariah is a series of visions. Revelation is a series of visions. And all the visions could be almost seen as a set of episodes that kind of keep continuing. Right? And in chapter 15, you see this great sign. What's so great about it? This is it. This is it. All the prophets have prophesied about the day. You ever seen the day mentioned in the Old Testament? Well, now we're going to see the details of the day revealed with clarity that a lot of the other scriptures may not reveal. And that's an awesome privilege to be let in on God's plan. How many people get to say, I have a roadmap to God's future? And so in the revelation of God's holy plan, the saints who conquered the beast arrived. Now, how did they conquer him? They got better guns than he did. And richer than him. They conquered by being faithful to the dead. They conquered by being faithful to the dead. And the harps kind of remind us when it talks about the song of Moses reminds us of back in Exodus chapter 14 after they went through the sea remember what happened when they got to the other side they all got their harps and they started dancing and singing and they all sung this song and why were they singing they were singing because they went through the depth of the sea They truly went through the valley of the shadow of death, chased by the Egyptians. In the midst of the sea, the waters took the Egyptians, but it left the people of God there. And they were praising, because in the salvation of God is also the judgment of God. And in the judgment of God, that is how he saves. Put it another way, God saves us by judging those who wish to harm us. And in judging those who wish to harm us, he also has mercy on those who he loves. So when we see God's judgment, we need to have a little bit of a different view. Some people debate about the mercy and love of God as if they're on two different sides. As if God is somehow divided. That's a bad theological view. Rather, we should say, God would not be loving if he didn't judge. And when God judges, the fact that the whole world is not condemned already proves that he loves. We have to understand how those two are not contradictory views, but they are contradictory views. And that's the essence of Revelation. Judgment. 
those who like to preach a message about love and don't want to talk about judgment. That's why it feels so thin. There's no depth to that kind of thing. And the reason there's no depth is because that love is not held up by anything. What if you, I said, I loved you and I saw you getting beat up and I wouldn't lift a hand? Well, how much love is that? That's not the kind of love that God has. God will not look at the suffering of his people and turn his eyes. He will visit the people who harm his people. He will not look over those who spit in his face. Charles, what is on your heart for prayer today? All right. What's on my heart for prayer today? I've been just really thinking about the situation of that's going on in Kentucky. Uh, how things are changing fast for some people's lives. You know, they're losing all they have, uh, losing their lives, family members dying. So just, uh, you know, how God is working just in, I won't say nature, but how he causes things or allows things to happen in this world. Charles, you want to start? Jamar will go second, and I will close this up. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, just for your mercy and your grace in our lives, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, just for just the many blessings that you bestowed upon us, Lord, in our, in our lives uh, every day and in our families. Lord, now I'm just uh, praying for the families and people that were affected in the storms in uh, Kentucky a couple of days ago, Lord. And we see how things can change just drastically quite fast, Lord, and thinking about people who go about their daily routines and thinking every moment that next day is, is promised, and, and we know in your word that it's not promised to anyone, Lord. So I just pray for families that were affected by the storms. Uh, pray for just uh, that your will be done, Lord, and that they can uh, come to see you in that, Lord, and maybe draw come closer to you, Lord. Um, just pray for here in this city, in Milwaukee, Lord, and, and as they announcing that it may be some bad weather for us here with high winds tonight, gusts up to 70 miles an hour, uh, you know, could down trees, could lose power, Lord, but we know that our hope is in you, Lord, and that you will protect your people, Lord. So I just pray, Lord, that uh, we hear things on the news and People just report things just so so fast that it just is over with. But uh, just burdens my heart that people don't see your hand in all these things that are going on in this world with the pandemic and with the weather issues, Lord. So I just thank you again, Lord, just for your protection over over your people. Continue to pray for those who may be suffering through uh, 
Uh, this uh, pandemic was affected by the COVID virus, Lord. And it's all tied together, Lord, knowing that I won't say it's judgment, but uh, I know that you are in control and that I pray that you just get the praise and the honor and the glory out of what's all, all going on in this world. In your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Dear Lord, thank you for allowing us to come together tonight just to have this chance just to uh, go through your word first off and sing praises to your name and then also just have this chance just to pray. Pray for the topic tonight of just the storms throughout the uh, middle part of the country over the last couple of days, the Lord, and just how easy it is for us to just forget how Things can change in an instant, the Lord, and we go about our lives just living life like it's just uh, work and home and family. But I'd rather things can just change in, 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 in a second without even realizing that what's going on around us, the Lord, and the weather also can impact us as well, the Lord. And just pray for those that are harmed by this and lives are rooted because of this, the Lord, that you would just bless them and um, put them around people that, um, if they're unsaved, to have a mindset of, you know, how life can change in an instant and how it's important to have your life right with God before you pass on, the Lord, because you don't know what's happening next. And also if those are saved, the Lord, that's going through this, that you would just uh, reassure them, the Lord, and use this opportunity just to have them come closer to you and just thank you, Lord, for protecting them. And uh, stuff is replaceable, but lives and families are not, the Lord. And, um, just pray that we, we all may see the opportunity just to come closer to you and realize that things can change in a moment from natural disasters to the pandemic we've seen in the last year and a half, the Lord, and just um, you are working and we do not know what's going on, the Lord, and just pray that we have the faith to rely on you and trust you to uh, to be in control, trust that this is all part of your plan, trust to realize that, that we should not allow this to shake our faith, to shake our dependence on you, the Lord. Just thank you for everything you've done and how um, you've brought us almost through this year. Uh, just pray for the uh, last next couple of weeks, the Lord, that we may continue to just uh, seek to you, the Lord, and uh, also spread your word to those around us, the Lord, even us up here in Milwaukee, the Lord, that it don't have to be a tornado. It could be a snowstorm, or it could even be just somebody driving down the street fast and hit you, the Lord, and we use it as an opportunity just to witness and just to share your gospel to those around us. In the name of Son Jesus, amen. Lord, we just continue in prayer. We just look at tornadoes and severe storms that hit hit our country. We're reminded of that is the consequence of being in an imperfect world, Lord. We think of the destruction and the death and just the sorrow it's caused. It's caused by sin. Sin which created this world. Our simple actions brought us out of that and brought us into a world that is broken, Lord. But at the same time, Lord, we can look to the praise is a perfect world we can look forward to. There is a perfect world in heaven with you, Lord, and also solace in the fact that you, bad as any storm may seem, as any circumstance may seem, we're reminded that you are in control of it all, Lord. You allow things to happen that may not make sense to us, Lord, but ultimately it's within your providence, Lord, and you have a reason for it all. And I'm sure through this disaster, you will do your will. You will get the glory, Lord. To the world, that they may not understand why it is that it is, Lord, but that's because they don't want to acknowledge your godhood and your existence, Lord, and they don't want to acknowledge our sinfulness and what caused us to be in this state, Lord. But we ask if you continue to just 
work in the lives of those who are ministering to the people there, to your church that is continuing continuing to support, Lord, and continuing to point people to a relationship with you. Continue to remind people that things of this earth are temporary, Lord, but a life with you is forever. And that that is really what the focus should be on, Lord. And just continue to work through this disaster, this circumstance. And continue to just work through all your people in the world. In your name we pray. Amen.